Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 478. This week on the podcast, the Feinstein commemorative memes are a cautionary tale for Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. And a government shutdown has been averted until it 100% happens in November. Plus, Kevin McCarthy was shocked to be voted out after agreeing to be voted out at any moment. And get excited for a six-way presidential race next fall. Plus, why is anybody agreeing to go to the GOP debates? And are candidate Ron DeSantis' makeup, four-inch heels, and shapewear illegal in Florida thanks to Governor Ron DeSantis? We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Back together again. Together again, ready to make trouble. Mm-hmm. We've been gone for weeks. <laughs> yeah. And in those weeks, so much news has happened. Yeah, we so really. So much yeah, horror has happened because I've had COVID. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> it was awful. You guys don't get COVID. <laughs> I know. And here's the thing, especially don't get it while you're trying to get a booster shot, which is <laughs> how my entire family got it. So. <laughs> Wear oh, a mask no. at the pharmacy, whether or not you're there for your booster. Wear it if you're sick. Wear it if you're not sick. Wear it just to be a member of society so that innocent people aren't getting COVID at pharmacies while waiting for their booster shots. Right. That, that was like the only time that you went outside the home, right, was to go get that shot. That's, I was certain, like, you're pretty certain that it was like literally like going to get your shot, right? Well, I mean, it, was, it was my mother going to get her shot. Oh, that's and then right. she gave it and to that, the rest of us. Right. But we, like, it was, it was... Like a situation where she like had an allergic reaction and had to drink some water in the pharmacy. So she had Mm. to briefly remove her mask to drink some water. It's the only time she's been unmasked Unmasked indoors in any kind of, you know, public environment like that. (sighs) And then everyone else who got it, got it clearly from her. Like there was like a clear line. And so you guys be careful Uh, out there. Seriously. And get your boosters. Get your boosters. And also I was ranting about this to Brent in the car, but I... Took Paxlovid. My mother also yeah. took Paxlovid. And if you are a person who gets COVID, don't just take whatever treatments are available. I mean, hello. People, are, people were so weird about it. And I was like, I don't know why I wouldn't try something. Right. Like if, if I get a rebound and it doesn't work, that sucks. That's sure. not great. Nobody wants yeah. that. But like, why would you not try a thing that maybe cuts it short? 100%. And cuts your risk of long COVID. Right. Like and you, it's now accessible seen, to non-immunocompromised right. people. You've seen people, including me, uh, be sick for two and a half full weeks yeah. and feel like they were, you know. I have had COVID before and been sick well, for right. two and a half weeks. Right. Like, so, I, yeah. I, the last thing you need is to be one of those people that even feels fine but is testing positive for, like, the rest of your life. <laughs> right. And, like, maybe that, maybe Paxlovid won't be that miracle drug for you, but maybe it will be. Why not try a thing? Yeah. I was just shocked that people were, like, appalled that I had tried to take medicine for a right. known dangerous health condition. And I was like, you guys, what is everyone's brain doing right now? <laughs> right. Like, well, not working because they've all had COVID previously. That's basically, COVID. yeah. We all have a kind of brain fog that is preventing yeah. us from making common sense choices. Yeah, exactly. In any case, that's what I have to say about that. <clears throat> right. Don't get it. And if you do get it, yeah. try not to have it as long as you could. But because we've been off due to both traveling coastal right. issues and COVID issues, we're, we've chosen our battles here with this podcast, right? <laughs> that's right. I mean, we've had some big stories and I think we're going to get to most of them. Um, but, uh, you know. We've chosen to prioritize some big stories over others. That's right. One story you won't hear us prioritizing is this new war as of yesterday or whenever in Israel, two days ago. Yeah. Listen, we're not a foreign policy podcast. No. We are clear about that and we care about elections and we will be talking about this as it pertains to the American elections, right. obviously. 
and it will because we are obsessed with Israel yeah. in this country, but we're not going to be reporting on the movements of, just as we don't report on Ukraine movements, we're not going to be reporting on the troop movements that are no. going on in the Middle East. So no. don't come here for that news. Uh, the thing that interests me, obviously it's completely terrible. Just assume that when we're talking about it, like we understand we're that and we're not trying yeah. to be like, you know, glib in what we're talking about. Like, or, But like, it's interesting because, you know, we saw obviously everything that went on with the speakership, which we're going to dive into in a little bit here. But like that was obviously over Ukraine funding, which, you know, a small group of Republicans don't want to send, um, you know, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who granted wasn't on team oust Kevin McCarthy. But like she but was so, on team posing with Code Pink she, in Bernie Sanders office. Right. I mean, she yeah posed with the people from Code Pink and was like, I don't agree with them on much, but I, we shouldn't be like sending money for endless war in Ukraine. My guess is that we're going to find out this week that she wants to send all of the endless money to Israel. This and like, people's I'm not, number is getting called up I'm immediately. Not, I'm not here to, to comment on my own thoughts on that necessarily <laughs> right now on this podcast. Right. But like, I, I think we're going to see that maybe those, because um, I have been raging about you know Republicans stealing the anti-war yes. mantra from the Democrats, and I have acknowledged that it has all been disingenuous. Obviously. Right. Like, I get that like they don't actually mean it. It's not like they're all of a sudden like peace loving people, right? They but sure like aren't. but they have sort of left a void in the world where like code pink, if they want their photo taken with somebody, they have to go to Marjorie Taylor Greene as opposed to Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And that's a weird world that we're living in right now. It's one of the crazier so ones. I feel like we're gonna see that I think probably turned back this is going to unravel it. pretty fast. It's gonna unravel pretty quickly because um they're already talking about like maybe trying to get like Kevin McCarthy reinstalled just so they have a speaker there immediately for the sole purpose of passing some, you know, however many billions of dollars are going to send to Israel. Yeah. So like, just remember that if you happen to see that picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene posing with Code Pink, that she's going to be very much in favor of whatever conflict is happening in Israel. They are not uh, like Code Like Code Pink is against all the conflicts. They exactly. are anti-war. They're anti-war. Blanket. They are. They are. And that's what being anti-war means, by the way. <laughs> too true. People may be forgetting that, especially this week. Right. Um, but yeah, Code Pink is like against us funding wars. Period. Doesn't matter what the war is. Doesn't matter. Like what you know. And that. Right. And one of the reasons that they were even protesting at the Capitol is they were very frustrated that one of their anti-war heroes, Bernie Sanders, is has been in favor of sending all this money to Ukraine. Right now. You know, that being seized upon by Marjorie Taylor Greene as a disingenuous, you know, fuck 100%. you to the far left is right. a whole other conversation. Right. And same but, with Jim Jordan. Not well, you know, he's running they, yes. for speaker again. We'll get into that in a bit. These but like people, he's, he's like, oh, we're not sending any money to, you know, this endless proxy war in Ukraine. And it's like, uh, OK. And also you dude. need to look at who's in favor of sending of not sending money to war, but sending money to the military. Because sure. these are not people that are necessarily also trying to cut military funding. They are trying to cut war Certainly funding. Not. That's right. a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, I also think this will be interesting in terms of how it plays out in, like, I think the, the effect on the California Senate race will be interesting. Um, we are going to be seeing a weird uh, kind of dissension in the ranks among the Democrats for really the first time at this level where rhetoric around the Middle East has changed really dramatically in the last 20 years. In the Clinton era, you could not say anything critical of Israel ever if you were a person in Washington or really a person living in society. And that has changed pretty dramatically. We have a lot of people who um, have, especially younger members of Congress who, A, have been sort of like free Palestine advocates, but also a lot of people who are not interested in wading into the Israel right or wrong side of any debate. And while they maybe recognize that this is not a situation where they also want to be like Hamas, right or wrong. They, 
uh, are kind of trying to thread a little, uh, thread a more careful needle. Yes. And then there are going to be the Democrats who are always the same hawkish Democrats sure. who are going to be just like Israel right or wrong. Right. And we are going to see that conversation affect the California Senate race in particular because Adam Schiff is of that old school of yeah. Israel right or wrong Democrats. He, I mean, you have to remember that when he was, when he became our congressperson, he was a blue dog. And the blue dogs right. were warmonger Democrats. That's yeah. what the blue dogs were. They were people that wanted to go to war. So Adam Schiff comes out of a pretty pro-war, very heavily, you know, Israel right or wrong political background. And then you're going to see Katie Porter, who's younger, who's, you know, trying to thread a more careful needle because that's just not where the party's at right now. I was and Barbara say. Lee, who's one of the sort of ultimate anti-war Democrats right. in a race, in a three-way race with him. Right. I'm sort of interested. I mean, already we've seen that their positions have been, you know, their statements have been really different. Like Katie Porter and Barbara Lee's statements have been pretty similar, but Adam Schiff did right. the usual Democratic, you know, we support Israel, right? Or, you know, we support Israel blanket statement. And then Barbara yeah. Lee and Katie Porter were more like, this is awful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, the, they're not the, coming in like... Well, that's where the left of the party is right now. That's there's where a the lot, left of the party lot, is. There's a lot more pro-Palestine on the, you yeah. know, and, you know, using language like apartheid and stuff like that, like on the on the left left. Exactly. And that is the vote share that the two of them are competing right. for. So, so we're going to uh, see kind of like an interesting proxy war going But they also have to... Proxy war going. But they also can't, you know, maybe come out as forcefully as maybe like Cory Bush did. Uh, no. You know, in, no, in nor favor of should the, they in this, yeah, no, you know, in just, this state. I don't think that but, would make sense, but... no. But, I agree. I'm just saying, like, the needle yes. that they're trying to thread it's, is, it's a, it's a it's, tough one. It's a tricky one. It's, it's a tricky uh, one, yeah. and this is really the first time that I think we are going to have to see that electorally the way that, you know, in a way where it's going to affect, like, state-level races. Yeah. Because this is kind of, this is one of the more dramatic situations that we have faced in the Middle East in a really long time. And yeah. so I am interested to see, you know, as someone who grew up in a place where you couldn't say anything critical of Israel or, frankly, Netanyahu um, at all without yeah. just getting your life ruined. Like, I'm sort of interested in seeing how the new left handles this because it's, yeah. it's a complicated conversation for the left for many reasons. Yeah. And it's going to be clear. It, th that, those complications are going to become very clear to us as we watch how this affects the rhetoric in various yeah. state-level races yeah, and also, sure. you know, the presidential race yeah. as well. So <clears throat> I'm interested in that. Um, yep. But... We had, speaking of the California Senate, a big news story that you probably heard about. Yeah, I mean, week. we just told you about three candidates for a California Senate. We might have another one because we now have a sitting senator. That's right. Officially. Diane who's, Feinstein who's not Diane Feinstein. She's a, a dead, dead person. person. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I do, oh one of the things that I think was really interesting about the day that she died is obviously I have sort of like a running political conversation going on with a lot of Californians. Like, you know, Brent yeah. and Grant and I have a conversation yeah. ongoing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm about to get the giggles because like thinking about this and that's not a great story to get the giggles on. But like, I'm thinking of all the memes from that day I when know. you were like the day that she died and <laughs> they're was... all rolling through my head right now. And every one of them is funnier than the last one. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is I got all of these text messages from people in New York being like, wow. Sad <laughs> news. <laughs> and then everyone in California was sending me memes. All right. All right. I know. <laughs> the, one, the one that still like can just like take me out for minutes yes. is the, the photo of her aide whispering, whispering her, into, her, into her ear, you're dead. That's <laughs> so bad. I know. <laughs> but this, I feel like maybe an argument for not staying in the Senate long past your prime well, is that your own constituents don't have to mock you on the way out. That's what I was going to say. And we, mean, talk, we talked about this a little bit, but I mean like... 
I feel like there is like an actual lesson to be learned yeah. here for Mitch McConnell and for for Biden for that matter. Yes. I mean, yes. like, because and we think about it with Ronald Reagan. I mean, if you're not like a hardline Republican, then who you know thinks he's like an actual right, incarnation of God, right? Then like the thing that you remember about him is he that he Alzheimer's. had that he had Alzheimer's while he while he was in office. That yeah. he was like trying to be the president while he his brain was that, that Nancy properly. Reagan was the president. Right, exactly, and like that. Is has now that's what's going to happen I, to Diane Feinstein. She will forever be remembered for dying in office and not having any earthly idea where she was for the latter part of her entire every term. Every statement about her, you know, career and impact or whatever, just kept saying the word trailblazer over and over. And I think <laughs> if you've been in Congress that long and the only thing you can be remembered as is a trailblazer because you were the first person of your <laughs> right. the, uh, in, of your gender <laughs> or whatever, like, in, like then you have maybe overstayed your welcome because yeah. she should have the thing that she should have been remembered for is the assault weapons ban except that right? she stayed so long right. that it expired and same they couldn't with, get a new same one same with whatever horrible thing mitch mcconnell could be remembered yes. for he's now going to be remembered for having for like weird brain freezes yeah right no exactly and, you know joe there, biden can't string sentences together and he's falling no, over he's things be remembered and various for his whatever dogs things biting everyone gonna, and for tripping on things right. and having to go and, to hospital and both of them still have time to change that That's by right. just not being there any longer. Yeah. No, I think this was very instructive because I, as all of these memes were coming through and I was laughing my ass off sitting at home <laughs> that this, this is poor lady's demise. I know. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know, there would have been actual legislative victories that we could have pointed to 20 years ago if she had retired. Totally. You do not, you're not going to remember Barbara Boxer for having no. died in office an, un, you know, with dementia. No. You're going to remember... Barbara Boxer for being a bad bitch. For being a bad... For being progressive. You're going to remember her yeah. for being... You know, like, there are things... You're going to remember Barbara Boxer as a sitting senator who did her job. That's right. No one... No She'll one, also die someday. She will. And we will feel sad when she dies. There will right. not be any memes about it. No. We will just be like, wow, that is too bad. Remember Barbara Boxer when she was, <laughs> she was a senator? Great. She was great. Like, right. the, the, the sort of... The sad part of this is that we could have blamed someone else for the assault weapon ban expiring and all of her, <laughs> right, her yeah. legacy disappearing. Yeah. And instead, she never she doesn't get to claim any of it because she overstayed. Yeah. And all of her legacy disappeared in the process. Yeah. In and it case. really was sad, too, because, like, I mean, obviously anybody dying is sad, but, like, I think it was what was... elder abuse. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say, because, like, she voted the day before. It's yeah. very... You know, people were had been making the, you know, Weekend at Bernie's jokes forever, but... I think as she died, sort of like overnight, like after she had been at work, I think like, and obviously her health was failing, which is the point. But I mean, yeah. like, I, I mean, she was definitely just being wheeled around there from point A yes. to point B, having no earthly idea what was going on and being in ill health. I mean, totally. it, and it, I, I it's think gross. It's gross. And I think also... It and not her of, fault. That's not her fault. No. It point, like, there came a point where she was no longer capable of making a conscious choice to be in the Senate anymore. Right. And that should have been the point that someone said she can't be in the Senate anymore. Uh, correct. Like, we should have a rule that prevents elder abuse in the Senate, yeah. which is apparently the leading place where you might find elder <laughs> abuse. Because everyone in the Senate is too old and they're all dying in office at like 90 after freezing and mm -hmm. having dementia. Yeah. So like, obviously we need some laws to protect the senator's health from their own relatives and constituents and lobbyists. Yeah. Because it turns out that that's a very dangerous place to be an old person. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think there was a point, obviously, and that point was years ago, where Truly. it became clear that her uh, mental acuity had gone. Yeah. And that is a point where someone should have said for her, Yeah. You can't be in the Senate anymore. Right. Because <laughs> she was no longer capable of making that choice. Yeah. Um, and that is a point that we just 
blazed right on past and trailblazed our way straight into making her vote the day before her death. Yeah. Um, in any case, let's talk a little bit about LaFonza Butler. Yeah, she's now been sworn in. Right. She is our senator. So we have a senator now. <laughs> yeah, governor. new. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they wanted somebody quickly. I mean, it took longer, I think, the last time for him to pick yeah. Padilla. But I think for, you know, just considering the makeup of the Senate and also I think that wanting that. a budget to pass. Like, and right. And they stuff. need somebody on the um, uh, whatever committee that Feinstein judiciary? Um, was on. Judiciary. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be Butler, but they need to, you know, I, I think just they need, to, they need to start filling some things. Right. So anyway. Yeah. So that sort of raised a lot of eyebrows, I think, because nobody knew who she was, even though it seems like she is very sort of like insider. We'll get into her, you know, um, her background, her resume here in a second. But um, it just felt, first off, a lot of people on the left were really doing a full court press to be like, it's time to uh, name Barbara Lee the senator, which he had already said that he wasn't going to do. But like, I have thoughts about this that are actually not about Gavin Newsom's incompetence. Weirdly, um, and are about Barbara Lee's incompetence. I, well, I feel sh- like Barbara Lee played this wrong, and I'm sorry about it. I uh, love Barbara Lee, but I feel Barbara Lee is 77. She should not be running for Senate. Well, I yeah. think that she would have been the appropriate person to appoint to Kamala's seat. I think she should have been appointed then, and I think she should have strung Newsom up by the balls. We should have all done it. Uh, yeah. After that, didn't come through and. It extracted a promise that A, Dianne Feinstein would finally be forced out of office, that somebody would make sure that she didn't continue to stay in office, her yeah. health had already been failing, and that Barbara Lee would be the rightful person to take that seat and would promise to only run once. Yes. And that would have protected Californians, it would have given us a great senator, it would have protected, you know, Gavin Newsom had made a promise that he would appoint a black woman and then didn't fucking do it yeah. with Padilla, and it would have made him, you know, deliver on that promise, which is what he, in part, was trying to do in this new Senate seat, you know, the, the in yeah. Feinstein seat, would have solved all of our problems and would have created a two-way race for Senate that would have yes. been a more... Uh, logical setup for our yeah. current Senate situation because as it stands now, Barbara Lee is taking progressive endorsements. However, yeah. she is, I would argue, probably not going to be our next senator. And also... The, is, the, the polling that we talked about on the last time that we recorded this podcast would lead one to believe not. And she's too fucking old to run for a seat where we just had to get a 90-year-old to die in office to get like, a representative. I know. I feel like you and I are the quite literally the only two people who are talking about her And in this context, it's so relevant. Right. She will be at the end of her first term, 84. That's, I am trying to get octogenarians fully out of Congress. Yeah. Full stop. I honestly just don't think people know that she's that old. No. Well, she looks great. She looks great. And you feel like she's been around forever, but you also feel like she's been rumored as a Senate contender for so long that it feels natural that she would do this. I just feel like... There are a few things that I think happen here. A, I don't think she should have declared. I think she should have just uh, tried her luck and seed, you know, and and gotten this, right. you know, appointment with a deal that she would only run once, maybe, you know, sure. from with Newsom. I think I don't think it was smart of her to declare. I see why she did it, but I think that she played that wrong. I think also that we should have, you know, act, asked more of the last round because that should have been her appointed. She should have been appointed to Kamala's seat. It's oh, yeah, for sure. so yeah. obvious. It's so crazy that he appointed someone that nobody cares about or likes. Ugh, I know. And it's so crazy that he stole the choice of Californians on that seat. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's going to have created the legacy he would have wanted. And I think Barbara Lee could have. So sure. I And also, we have a great um, history of having two female two senators senator. right, here. Exactly. We're one yeah. of the only states that tries that. Yeah. So like that would have been in the tradition of California. Yeah. So 
that to me was a misplay by everyone, but also by Barbara Lee herself. I think yeah. everyone misplayed that. I think that, you know, she doesn't really have any right now to be upset that she wasn't appointed because you can't appoint someone who's in a three-way race for the Senate and like not have voters lose yeah. their fucking shit. Yeah. But I guess the thing that the thing that I would be upset about if I were her, and again, maybe this is to your point about maybe her just should have waiting it out, which I'm sure had she run into Diane Feinstein any time over the course of since she declared her candidacy, she probably could have assumed that she was going to be dead. Right. But <laughs> I, you know, the thing that I would be upset about is that Newsom said that he was only going to appoint a caretaker. And first yes. off, I think a lot of people were upset about that because it's sort of like, well, why? if it's going to be a black woman, can the black woman only be a caretaker? Well, Which I think is a fair critique. And that's that's a critique of Newsom yes, and not anyone totally. else. Totally. But then I think additionally... Although I'm in favor of only appointing caretakers anytime you're <laughs> well, appointing I know. A, for a seat. But then I think what I would be most miffed about is that he apparently, in appointing yeah. LaFonza Butler, put no preconditions on her appointment as to whether she could or could not run in 2024. I'm pissed about that too. And so if I'm Barbara Lee, I'm thinking, well, what's the difference yeah. in appointing LaFonza Butler and telling her that she can run in 2024 and appointing me and telling me I can run in 2024, totally. right? Like, I just feel like all he did was just sort of like force his own hand to like pick a different black woman yeah. who like may or may not even be a caretaker after he himself was the one who said that he was only going to appoint a caretaker. The messaging on this and the person that he chose and what he told her about running in 2024 and what he told Barbara Lee and the world about like not picking anybody who would interfere in the in the actual Senate race has been all over the, the map and it's been haphazard. And like, I can see why if I was her and her backers and our revolution and Ro Khanna and whoever else has been, you know, on Newsom's butt about uh, uh, him appointing her. I can fully understand why they're all pissed right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, the fact that he didn't put any preconditions on this really frustrates, that gets my goat. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am frustrated. But I think, he, I think he himself backed himself into that corner by saying he was only going to appoint a caretaker because obviously the backlash to that was like, what, a black woman can only like caretake this for the next 16 months I, or whatever it is? This like, is an extension of his playing the Kamala seat wrong, though. Oh, yeah. You either have a philosophy of appointing only caretakers or you don't. Yeah. I have a philosophy of only appointing caretakers right. in the sense that it is my preference. Yeah, because he didn't. That the he governor, didn't ever say that Padilla was a caretaker. Right. Right. Exactly. And if that was going to be, if there was going to be one seat that wasn't a, an appointed caretaker, that's the seat that should have gone to Barbara Lee. Like the the appointing somebody that Californians have no interest in to the non-caretaker <laughs> seat, and then and also he had said he would appoint a black woman to the Senate, he had. and then didn't do it didn't. last time right. to to wait until it's the black woman seat and then appoint a quote unquote caretaker. Yeah is a shitty move. Yeah. But you should only be appointing caretakers. So the yeah. fact that he didn't appoint a caretaker last time yeah. bothers me. The fact that he's claiming that this is a caretaker role and then didn't actually extract any promise of her being only a caretaker right. bothers me. The fact that Barbara Lee deserved probably to be an appointed senator and is too old to be a real senator <laughs> right. bar bothers me because right. she is now running, confusing the race. Right. And I don't blame her for that, but I, no, like I, I said, I think I would run if I were too, but I think she played it wrong because I think yeah. that she should have angled for an appointee yeah. an appointment as opposed to running. And it just, it was going to be unlucky timing no matter what. 
Like, either Feinstein wasn't going to die, and it was going to have not worked out, or she was going to die at any moment, and it was, was going to be a surprise working out. You, right. you can't always know when someone who's <laughs> refusing to leave office and is in poor health is going to die. And that's an unfortunate reality that we're living in, yeah. uh, living with. But I agree that there should be some consistency in terms yeah, of what your philosophy is as a governor. And, and my preference especially for a state that has so little representation in the Senate, would always be to appoint a caretaker because you should give the voters, the voters. every chance to weigh in right. that you can because, possibly give Because them. now, and like, look, maybe in the end, he'll end up being a good senator from the state of California. But like the thing about appointing a senator here as a Democrat is that Alex Padilla now, if he would like, can be the senator from the state of California until he dies in office That's at right. the age of 90. That's right. So, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the same thing could be potentially said of LaFonza Beller. If she tries right. to run and people decide that maybe at least they like her, you are, by giving somebody an incumbency, you are sort of really removing the will of the voters. Exactly. Because, like, yes, we did vote for him, and we did just reelect him. But it was in a 34-way primary where we didn't know the names of anyone else. Correct. So, like, I, I just... I don't love... I really hope that she doesn't run. Yes, me too. Um, and I have a feeling it's probably going to be... I think it would be hard for her at this late stage in the game to get up to snuff with the fundraising. And also, yeah. like, these are other... If there weren't other big names in here, I would think, okay, well, maybe, like, throw your hat in the ring here. But, like, I just don't know no, how, and like... she doesn't also have... She's never held elected office in California, so she no. doesn't have the apparatus that you right. need to run And lately, she couldn't because she's living, living in Maryland. In Maryland. <laughs> which people have been... I, People have been sort of like, oh, it's our the Maryland's third senator, and like I sort of get it because it's kind of ridiculous and like it's, I, it was it's bad another. Mess. It was bad I was going to say it's standpoint. just another thing where it was just sort of like you know if that's who you're going to appoint, like they listen, they probably had a conversation about this some of time course, ago. Yeah. I have a feeling, you know, she's like, and she does still have a home here, so she's changing her voter registration. I think I don't have that much of an issue with that. I think that. he had a hard time finding someone who would take the seat. Because oh, I think that there was an expect. First of all, even if you decide you're going to run, you're running in a tough primary. So there's not really an outlook for it. Oh, yeah. And the outlook that is for it is a tough road. Um, <clears throat> it had to be a black woman because he had backed himself yeah. into a corner where he had failed to deliver on that basic promise. Right. Um, and there is not will here to have another appointee senator. Yeah. And so it was always going to be a tough road. And I think that he had a difficult time finding... Because there are other people he could have spoken to that are in California office right now. Oh, for sure. And the fact that he chose... It's like a you know, a random labor leader basically yeah. says to me that he was having some trouble. Air quotes, labor air leader. quotes, labor leader. Um, <laughs> has says to me that there was maybe he was maybe having some trouble with people who were interested in having a political future. Maybe. You know? Yeah, that could be. Um, well, let's talk about her yes. really quick, because I think people have a lot of questions about her, A, because they just don't know her, which would lead you to have questions about somebody. That's right. But then once you start finding out about her, it maybe sort of leads to more questions. <laughs> Because I think that there there seems to be sort of like two very different sides to Lafonza Butler. And I don't know that we, I mean, we can't yet know because no. she's barely been there. But like, we don't know what we're going to get, yeah. which Lafonza Butler we're going to get as our United States Senator. Yeah. Because like, she definitely has like a long history of like good activism. Yeah. Like she was the, headed up the chapter of the California chapter of the SEIU, local two fifty. Local 2015, which was the largest in the country, represented 325,000 workers, organized and nurses, home health care professionals. SEIU is a pretty active union. Yeah, active union. She was like the, their chief negotiator in their push for a $15 minimum wage. I mean, people sort of like were now learning that she was apparently a very important player in that push in the yeah. state of California. 
Um, <clears throat> and more recently, she's been the president of Emily's List. So, you know, I mean... That's whatever. medium, I mean, moderate Democrat medium, stuff. Medium, moderate Democrat stuff. But, like, you know, that's a big that's, deal. Right, totally. Right. So, um, you know, and she's... She's also, like, you know, she's a lesbian, so it's, like, that's... She's also... She's the first black lesbian in the United States Senate. Um, Great. So, I know. We're, we're doing the meme. We're doing the Right? You know? It's just, like, yeah. uh, all of the, you know, that they'll just... Like, what does that bring anybody? I right. guess. You know? I mean, yes. great. I, congratulations great. Yes. for her, certainly. Um, but, you know, like that activism seems to be only part of it because also, surprise, surprise, she's been working for a consulting firm. Yeah, she's working as a political consultant. <laughs> and some of her political consulting has been for big tech players like Airbnb right. and Uber. And in- not just big tech players, but like in, in consulting for them in their battles with unions. Right. <laughs> and most notably consulting with Uber during the Prop 22 battles. Yeah. That's where I had That, to tough, me, is disqualifying. Yes. Yeah. That, and I think that will be, I mean, listen, if she does try to run, that's going to be real problematic for her because for sure. Prop 22 is not a no. law beloved by Democrats in California. No, even, I was going to say, or it, a, it, it, it passed and still It passed and everyone's mad about it. Well, we were <laughs> right. all misled about it, you know? Right. I mean, not we. Right. Me and Brent were not. Which seems if you had read our voter guide, you would right. know. But seems like maybe she helped with that said exactly exactly yeah Yeah. so i think that is a tough pill to swallow especially because that is a policy that has pretty directly impacted the lives of a lot of people like individually in california in a way that is like clear you know right and the other one you know that we won't talk about as much but she was also the um she was employed as the director of public policy and campaign at airbnb when they sort of like first started going in and fucking up the housing market, you know, specifically in Northern California, but other, you know, yeah. all over California and, and tourist hotspots and stuff like that. And like, you know, that has also been, you know, they've Airbnb has been in the crosshairs of like various local unions yeah. and, and stuff like that. And 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 both of those things very much, you know, uh, affect you know income inequality. And, yeah. and so like the idea that and like cost we're of living suppo- issues in California, li- right, exactly. So it's. I mean, I don't... Well, we don't have an answer to this. We don't have an answer. It's concerning, and we should keep our eye on it. Yeah, exactly. And we should maybe hope that Airbnb and Uber did not just get a senator, because (laughs) we already have so little in in the Senate as Californians. Like, it would be nice if we could also just, like, have a senator. Correct. But here we are. Um, We'll see what happens. So, exciting times. Yeah. Let's talk about Congress. What a time for Congress it's been, you guys. What a time. Now, the last time that we thought we might record, our big news for you was going to be about the shutdown. Oh, that yeah. got averted with which a 45-day bill. I was going to say, which, and which we thought for sure was going to happen. Yeah, also. no, we thought there was going to be a government shutdown. Yeah. Um, so, and then at the last minute, his final act of victory before being tossed out unceremoniously was that Kevin McCarthy walked around patting himself on the back for getting a 45-day extension <laughs> on a government shutdown. So now the government's going to shut down in November instead of in September. Yeah. Um, Obviously, no one can trust Kevin McCarthy. So what happened was um, because, you know, he insisted for days that the short term funding bill he was going to propose would have to include big spending cuts and tough border security stuff. And then all of a sudden reversed course, put a clean bill on the floor, like continuing resolution, 45 day continuing resolution on the board um, on the floor, um, confused and shocked the Democrats who were looking to put uh, Ukraine funding, of course, (laughs) into the bill. Got, and then also, it was like a 71-page bill that no one had read. It was one of those, like, yeah, of vote for this now or die kind of situations. Yeah. There was chaos. 
they were trying to delay. Jamal Bowman accidentally set off a fire alarm and then got accused of having political motives. But you can see very clearly that he is struggling with a confusing door situation <laughs> in the photos. There are security photos of him. And also, I would like to note, if you have ever been to any of the buildings of Congress after hours, figuring out what door you can and can't go through um. is chaos. You, doors are closed for reasons you can't identify. Security is missing. There's like very strict rules about after hours doors that are different every time. Yeah. And so he went through a door that he thought was a normal door and then panicked because he couldn't get through it and then pushed a button that turned out to be a fire alarm. And that yeah. was you like, so that happened. And then that was everyone freaked out as if the Democrats were trying secret delaying tactics. And one thing I do have to say is, can you imagine Nancy Pelosi calling up Jamal Bowman to be like, we need you to delay the vote. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. No. There's no way she would trust him with that. She does no. not like Jamal Bowman. No, I was going to say. She has not called Jamal Bowman for any <laughs> Democratic task ever once in her life. No. He's a pain in her ass because he's a good progressive. Uh, and right. so yeah. she doesn't want anything to do with him. Right. So get that out of your head. I, I saw so many... Um, uh, headlines that were all like in Republican rags, obviously, yeah, obviously, because they were the big, big mad about this. But all of them were like socialist Jamal Bowman. Right. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> like, get real. Yeah, Nancy but, Pelosi's not calling socialist Jamal Bowman to do anything for exactly. her. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking to our earlier conversation, though, the main takeaway from all of this is the Democrats almost tanking this because it didn't have Ukraine funding in it. <laughs> so right. the Democrats insisting on wartime funding, the Republicans trying to revert <laughs> to trying to avert wartime funding from ending up in the bill right. that's a confusing context that i don't fully understand how we got here but i'm just it's if you have contrarians in office crazy shit happens you <laughs> that's know? right yeah so that's what's going on with that so then we're like okay great the government they have <laughs> then they go on vacation basically <laughs> they go on recess right. um and then we are thinking to ourselves great we have 45 days to work out a government funding situation mm -hmm. we should focus on that probably yeah and then that's when Matt Gates decides to pull the trigger on his ongoing plan to call a vote on the speaker. Because as you know, part of the deal of McCarthy getting elected on the 16th try or whatever it was in January as speaker was that he had to allow for one member to call a vote on him. Right. And Matt Gates has been sitting patiently, <laughs> waiting with his dumb Beavis and Butthead face. Yep. Just looking for his opportunity mm -hmm. to sow mayhem. Drafting exactly, his fundraising emails to send out his, right as he does it. Exactly. And <laughs> being fully prepared. Being fully prepared for the moment that he will call McCarthy's bluff. And yeah. everyone in Congress knows that this is the plan, by the way. Yeah. We have known since January that at some point, in the most inconvenient moment possible, Matt yeah. Gates would call a vote on Kevin McCarthy and cause us to go through the whole fucking rigmarole again. Yeah with the one, you know, peeling off one vote at a time. Like, we were all expecting this to happen. Yeah. And a smart person in that situation would think to themselves, okay, we know that Matt Gates, noted troublemaker and annoying person, is going to cause drama at some point in the next year. What can we do to have a plan for when that happens so that when he yeah. calls drama, we can be like, shut up, Matt Gates, yeah. go away, and please leave us alone <clears throat> forever. That is not what the Republicans chose to do with the information no. that we all had that this would happen. No. Instead... Gates calls his vote. We know, by the way, for a full week that it's going to happen. Oh, I know. So we don't, it's not even that we're surprised as in they have only a day to prepare. We no. had a week before the year to prepare. Yeah. That we, we've had nothing but time to prepare for I this. I know, I know. Well, and I, you know, I think that what is important because like, look, Matt Gates is Matt Gates. Right? I think even Kevin McCarthy after this vote was just sort of like, you know, we've, oh, all, met, have, we, we've all met Matt Gates. I have a lot to say like about that. what Kevin yeah. McCarthy said about well, after I know. the vote. <laughs> but I think it's important to remember that regardless of what you think about Matt Gates, this happened 100% at the fault of Kevin McCarthy. Absolutely. Because he, he made promises to literally every single person, including 
Matt Gates, including the president, including to Democrats, none of which he could That's keep, right. right? I mean, the way that they got into this whole spending debacle in the first place was because uh, he, you know, put forward a bunch of spending bills that were like lower than the limits that he had agreed to in the, the debt That's ceiling right. deal with President Biden. So he's already pissed off the Democrats there, right? right. As you said, he made all of these deals with things that he was going to do uh, and reverse course immediately. And, and didn't do most of them. Because not only did he allow one person to call for him, but he also like told them that they were going to get, you know, single, uh, single, uh, like single subject bills, oh, yes. right? You Matt know, Gaze things like that. They were, with single subject bills. Right. And, and various other things. Yeah. He, whoever was in front of him, he said yes to, That's to right. whatever they wanted. That's right. And it didn't matter whether he was going to, so he just got his comeuppance here. And I think there were so many people who were just sort of like, I think, and even I initially was worried about whether the Democrats were going to bail him out because that just seemed like something that they would get yeah. up to. But like, I think that, again, it's his own doing that they didn't. Because I think that like a That's, lot of them are saying- They couldn't oh, trust him. They couldn't, they couldn't trust him. A lot of them went around and said, oh, it's because how he acted after January 6th or this or that or the other. And I think a lot of that is true. But I think yeah. that had they literally felt like they could actually make a deal with him, then they would have they saved him. They are the biggest him, pushovers in right? the world. They would and, have happily saved him and to continue decades of Republican 100%. rule to save, quote unquote, the institution at right. the drop of a hat if yeah. he could be trusted to keep his word at all. Right. And that's the thing because, and you've heard this about like other speakers, you know, I mean, you hear some of them like speak fondly of each other about how they disagreed, but they were an honorable man or whatever, yeah. you know, we'd hear about, you know, how great and wonderful like Nancy Pelosi and John Boehner thought of right. each other or whatever the hell it was. And it was because I I think that even though like they didn't like each other and often even might go trash each other on television, you could assume that if one of them said that they were going to do a thing, then they it. were going to do the, that yeah. thing. And nobody thinks that about Kevin McCarthy. Nobody. Not yeah. not Joe Biden, not Hakeem Jeffries, not Matt Gates, not, you know, not uh, Nancy Jim, from not, behind not, her, not Jim Jordan, not any Joe Blow from John Q. Public off the street. Yeah. Right. He is not a man of his word. No. And so why? Why bother? Well, and you can tell that he's an asshole because he then obviously lost this vote in, <laughs> yeah. in a, and then was pouting about it to himself um, mm. and then tried to blame the Democrats as if oh, I know. they owed him. And yeah. I, Pramila Jaipal got on TV and uh, people, newscasters were falling for this. Media was falling for this and kept asking Democrats, why didn't you bail him out? And I saw Pramila Jaipal on CNN be like, why didn't five Republicans come and vote for Hakeem Jeffries then to be speaker? We yep. also only needed five votes. <laughs> right. Like she was like, I don't. Why would we have been in charge of bailing him out? Yeah. He made this bed. Yeah. He can't be trusted. Yeah. So and like, th- what are we right. doing and, here? Right. And I think that, uh, and they also had a real sour taste in their mouth after this extension of forty-five days because they all voted for that. Yes. And then immediately after that vote, he went out and trashed the Democrats exactly. about you know. Th- I think probably wanted to put the Ukraine aid yeah, in there. And he or who knows saved, what it was. They saved his ass. They saved his ass. And then he went, and again, I understand that that's what you do. You sort of, you go on of television course, and you course, say, God, the other party is so awful. But like they had literally quite just minutes before yeah. bailed him out and like kept the government open. Also. And then he was just sort of like those asshole Democrats. And it's like, they're not like two days later, they're not going to be inclined <laughs> to save your speaker. Also multiple examples of members who were defectors in this vote, Republicans, trying to reach out to McCarthy before the vote to express their concerns and him putting them off oh. or only contacting them at the very end or not actually getting in touch with them in time. Well, there's a lot of reports that I that say that 
he really did think that there would be enough Democrats that would vote for him. Yeah. To keep and him. why? Why? And then, on top of all of that, why was there no fucking plan B? I know. I, they, so Henry, Henry McMaster, his BFF, right. my mom calls Bowtie. him Mr. Peepers, <laughs> uh-huh. um, is appointed interim speaker, right. is exacting his revenge on the unsuspecting speaker's gavel by yeah. just delivering the angriest gavel that anyone's ever yeah. seen at the end of announcing that they had dismissed, you know, that they were going to go out of session. They have a caucus meeting where he says that they're going to have a candidate forum the next Wednesday. So people thought that maybe Republicans would have like some idea of who else could right. go for speaker the and they might vote on it that day and it might yeah. like just get solved. And instead the Republicans are like, no, we have to have a no, televised, have televised have, debate first. Right. <laughs> like, they have literally no plan. No plan. Not a single person who's interested no. in being speaker. Yeah. No, like they walked out of that meeting. No one had identified themselves as interested. Like a hundred people didn't rule it out. Donald Trump is now campaigning for speaker for like, as this meeting ends, like, oh, yeah. I mean, Chaos is reigning. Yeah. You want, um, oh, sorry. And, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, if you have, I, I want to talk about the McCarthy presser on the way out, but oh, I yeah. also have some thoughts about who should be the speaker. Oh, I do too. The one thing that I wish that he would have done is because I'm sure he had to have known that Matt Gates was going to pull this or some somebody was going to pull this. Everyone knew. What I wish that he would have done, because apparently what happens, and I didn't realize this, but when you become the speaker, the reason that... Um, McMaster is the the guy Andrew. now is because to McCarthy had to a- yeah McCarthy had to like write something like literally like in a secret envelope to be opened at the time of like a, an emergency yeah. of which this you know counts as <laughs> for him anyway, but certainly emergency right. personal emergency for Kevin McCarthy but like I feel like knowing that this was probably going to happen I feel like he could have like written somebody truly crazy on there and then been walked over to Matt Gates and been like fuck around and find out like write Hakeem Jeffries yes no I know <laughs> like once you're I mean I know that's a ridiculous thing to no, say but like, but like I, you know what I mean like there like he, this... I, he could have there should have been a way for him to even in failing here for him to be like well you got what you asked for exactly but instead, now there's just reports that maybe he's going to have to quit Congress. <laughs> well, like, this is what... So I think this is all connected to a mistake that was made at the beginning of all of this, which is, so you know, Republicans are masters at driving their own speakers out. We saw oh, them yeah. pull... You know, we saw them do this to Boehner. We saw them do this to Ryan. They, they don't usually work this fast. So this is pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin McCarthy fits a specific profile of Republican where he's like... This like glib guy who like spends time on his hair and he's from California and he's sort of affable seeming and mm-hmm. I, you need to be a fucking gangster to be the speaker of the house. Oh yeah. Nancy Pelosi is a gangster. Yeah. She is not glib. She is terrifying as all get out. She does not take shit. No. And she's not angry the way that like Jim Jordan and you know Jim Jordan is has announced that he is going to run for speaker. I, I say go for it because nobody fucking likes Jim Jordan. He's an asshole. No. And he's a big showboater and no one wants to hear him have the dice yeah. at all. So I feel like Republicans have been approaching this all wrong where what they actually need is someone from like New Jersey. Like uh, they need yeah. a Chris Christie-ish figure. Yeah. Who can, who can be a fucking gangster yeah. about getting them all. Like Brent has always said, I don't know if Nancy is like threatening the lives of people's grandchildren or what yeah. she's doing in there, but she delivers a vote when she says she's going to deliver a yeah. vote. She does it every time. You never worry that Nancy Pelosi can't keep her word. No. 
I mean, this and, is a woman who, you know, made AOC cry on the House floor because she said something to her, what was it, after that Iron Dome yeah. vote, I think, or something like that. But I mean, like, and that, that, was, that was in public. So yeah. whatever she's doing behind closed doors And we don't is, fucking know. What, we don't know. But she's a fucking gangster. <laughs> right. She operates like a gangster. You yeah. have to operate in the house like a gangster. Yeah. Kevin he, McCarthy. He's an idiot. Operating, <laughs> operating like an idiot. He's operating like a mop. <laughs> like, I don't even... But, like, this is not a, an era that calls for a Californian to be the speaker <laughs> in the Republican Party. Like, sorry yeah. about it. Like, Cal, I, I know Nancy's from California, but she's terrifying. Yeah. A glib person cannot be the speaker no. of the house right now. Mm-mm. Just because he loves being in front of the camera and being quaffed does not mean that he can negotiate no. a deal. You need somebody who's terrifying in a New Jersey way yeah. to negotiate. Like, and also, a New Jersey person would know what to do with these Florida people. Like, I've just been thinking about some of the regionalisms yeah. that are cropping up here. Sure. Who? Why does Trump have this power over them? Because yeah. he's a, like a, a tri-state area gangster. He yeah. operates in an unpredictable and crazy manner, and he's not smart. But he's operating in the way that a gangster opter- operates. And that's why they're all so terrified of him. And that's why they can't predict what he's up to. It works on Floridians. It works on people from the tri-state area. It terrifies people in the South. It confuses people from the Midwest. And it overshadows people from California. Yeah. Like, they're, they're thinking of the wrong genre of person entirely. And the way that I know that Kevin McCarthy did not fit the profile of a smart person who should be the speaker <laughs> is by the press conference he gave on the way out, oh, which yeah. was the pettiest, silliest thing. I have. I, I've, I watched a full hour of it, much like the Trump Stakes press conference. <laughs> I was riveted. He took every question that was asked by every reporter. Yeah. He named names. He talked about who he was having, feud, you know, who he was feuding with in Congress. Mm-hmm. He talked shit about literally everyone, yep. um, which is how I know he's going to leave Congress. You can't... <laughs> no. Like, I was like, this man is gloating in his final hour of relevance yeah. and he is going to say enough that he has to leave after this because he has now <laughs> said too much yeah so a smart like a a gangster would never have walked into that final press conference he delivered ridiculous remarks that some poor intern is going to be blamed for yeah. and then would not have taken any questions let alone every single question that right. was asked of him would not have had to be dragged out of the fucking room by staff like <laughs> right this was the this was the full unraveling of Kevin McCarthy and anyone yeah. who is this easily unraveled by some idiot who looks like Beavis from Florida yeah. does not have what it takes to no. be the speaker of the house I agree. and now so the the race right now is between Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise yes. i have thoughts on both yeah jim jordan is about we're about to be reminded daily of his wrestling related sexual assault issues isn't that didn't didn't Denny Hastert, former Republican Speaker yeah. of the House, have the exact same yes. wrestling related... My mom, as Jim Jordan announced, was like, he's going to end up in the Hastert wing of the, uh, <laughs> the prison that he sent to. Like, this is literally just a Hastert replay, but it's going to happen faster because we already went through the Hastert era. And then Steve Scalise has cancer, and it's also the worst health luck in Congress. Right, and also he was once shot called at the himself... softball game. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Also once called himself David Duke without the baggage. That's right. David Duke of... Uh, KKK and do you know why he's fame. not going to be able to be the speaker? Because he has to wear a mask because he has cancer. Oh, uh, yeah, he did. So he is yeah. going to be spotted all over town, masked, masked. a cancer victim, yeah. a, a, a post-shooting cancer, a gun violence and <laughs> cancer victim. Also, the hospital that he was taken to after the shooting, I think, had like a sewage leak or something. Like, he, the man has the worst possible <laughs> luck. Um, and I would say he's more affable than Jim Jordan in that people like him more. I mean, he's yeah. an asshole. I have met both of them. They're both terrible. But Steve Scalise is definitely less unpleasant than Jim Jordan. Um, But his health is not really good enough to manage this job at the moment. And I just like, it can't be McMaster himself because he's silly. And, you know, he wears a bow tie. Now, I've been thinking a lot about 
your mom's theory. Yeah. That at least Stefanik was going to get put up. I think yes. Do you th- and I see that she has not announced. I know. Do you think this is a calculation on her part to be a consensus choice? I've been wondering when everyone decides that these two people are obviously not the people. It's so obvious that they. Because I feel like, like I said, there needs to be. I think somebody who's not actively running is, gonna, is going to have to be drafted yes, totally. by people to be like, we need you to save us now. Yes, and I. If the Republic, the problem is the Republicans are complete idiots. So I'm not sure that they'll see this. Right. But what they need right now is a female speaker. <laughs> and Elise Stefanik would be, she's a little young. So that might be a problem for a lot mm. of those grumpy old men because she is my age. She's yeah. quite young. Um, she's a little politically unreliable in that she yeah. comes from a very moderate background and went hardline Trump. I was going to say, but she's Trumpian enough that I feel like no, right that now, would she's make. Super Trumpy. Yeah. Um, I feel like she is. She like is I said, in leadership, need, isn't she? I think so. That's, and they yeah. they need a tri-state area choice, as I said. There you go. Yeah. They need a New Yorker in there. Like, sorry about it, or New yeah. Jersey. Something. They need yeah. somebody who every other region is scared of. Uh huh. And I think that they need a woman to kind of shake up the energy a little bit because I think part of what's happening is a line of indistinguishable but very annoying white men are all assigning themselves, you know, the the sort of of uh, the the um the role of running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And none of them are people that can pull votes from each other because they're all terrible. And so you're yeah. just going to end up with like no consensus because the kind of person who wants Jim Jordan does not want Steve Scalise and vice versa. But in another sense, they are interchangeable. Yeah. So it's like, how, who's to even say <laughs> right. what any of this means? <laughs> right. I have been thinking about that a lot. I've been wondering how this is going to play out. They're going to have to have someone else announce if the, yeah. if the caucus, or not announce. Or not announce. If the caucus wanted Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, both of those people's names were in the ring when Kevin McCarthy was running. 100%. We could have had them. There's right. nobody wants these people. Right. And nobody nobody wants Jim Jordan. Nobody wants speaker. Jim Jordan. So right. like we can all agree. And also the party doesn't because then they're gonna have to hear about sexual assault scandals. Yeah. And they have enough that they're <laughs> covering <laughs> up for. <laughs> right, exactly. Um but and Steve Scalise is not well enough to do this job. Yeah. But yeah, I I have my eye on Elise Stefanik. Mm-hmm. I'm just like trying to figure out if there's somebody who has a, a Christie-like flair to them. Yeah. Because to me, this this moment has made me think a lot about Chris Christie, not because he's in Congress or a person who can be the Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. but because his specific profile of person would be perfect for this moment. Yeah. Where he is actually someone who's quite friendly with Democrats or was when he was in office. Yeah. He's weirdly beloved by everyone who actually interacts with him because he's very charismatic, yeah. weirdly. He's not going to take your shit either. he's a bulldog. Yeah. I was going to say. And a total he asshole. would not have one single solitary fuck to give about Matt Gates. No. No. He would have put Matt Gates right back in his place instantly. He's not afraid of some idiot from Florida. No. Like, they need somebody with that energy. Yeah. And I can't figure out... All they have right now is a bunch of, like, Colonel Sanders-looking people. And I don't <laughs> know what to tell them about that. I don't know. Like racist Colonel Sanders are like roaming around trying to uh, trying to distinguish themselves from each other, and it's impossible. It's impossible. That's right. So in any case, oh boy, this is chaos, you guys. It's chaos of their own making. It's chaos that they have been trying desperately to paint on the Democrats as if that could right. be done. This is no, the yeah. saddest look. Like it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Every yeah. moment of it has been mortifying yeah. for them. Well, and I, I think great. that like a lot of them have correctly identified the fact that like this is going to be a problem. Just sort of like. The party's 
brand as like a governing party, certainly in terms yeah. of like upcoming elections, the right? Governed. I mean, like what I was going to say, it's like we've now, the whole thing that happened with McCarthy, McCarthy's speakership at the beginning of this, right? We yeah. almost, you know, uh, couldn't come to an agreement on the debt ceiling. We've now almost gone into a shutdown. We may go into one in, you know, right. a month from now. Like, it, it's much silliness. It's too much silliness. People yeah. are not into this level of silliness. No. And also, they there is a distinction between being a party who does not believe in government and being a party that is incapable of governing. Right. Like, I think they would like us to think that this is all because they don't believe in government. But <laughs> in fact, this is incompetent silliness. Yeah. Like, there is a level of being able to govern that you have to maintain even if you don't believe in the broader role of government. Yes. And they have not maintained that level. They, this is like a bunch of toddlers trying to form a government. Yeah. And they're eating each other. It's like Lord of the Flies. It's chaos. In a way that is so embarrassing. I just I can't emphasize <laughs> enough how embarrassing and also entertaining this is. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, let's uh, talk about the presidential on? race. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some interesting um, movements with some third-party candidates. Oh, my God. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, RFK Jr., is making a historic announcement tomorrow. Well, right. to the day that you're listening to this. Right, today. On Monday. So he's going to be running as an independent. Um, and I have so many thoughts about this. Because first off, he should. Yeah. I mean, God bless him. D- run, run for president. Right? Everyone run. I, I, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast before. I really feel like we could have made sure that this didn't happen. Easily. Uh, I, because... Listen, he, I think, has been making a point that Democrats and at least fringes of the party have been making for some time through both of Bernie Sanders' run to this time with RFK or potentially Marianne Williamson, is that these people don't get fair hearings in the primaries. And listen, you may take issue with that statement, but like, it's a debate that people are out in the world having. Right. The fact that he's getting 20% in a lot of polls. Which is significantly would, more than any of the Republican second right, who have had or, two whole debates right now right. and, you know, 24-hour news cycles devoted to. This is a man who has not been on a debate stage at all. He has not had a, a CNN town hall. He's not been... And, and I look, I get everything about him. Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. A, he's a nutbag, yeah. right? But, like, the support is there and and he is feeling like he's not getting a fair hearing and like here you know i pulled some of the stuff that he's said about this from an nbc news article and the subheading on the the article is kennedy's expected independent presidential campaign is based on the conspiracy theory that the party has rigged the primary against him and maybe rigged is a strong Word. Right. But the but idea it's a word that's been in but, circulation for years because of right. this. And the idea feeling. that NBC News, who probably hasn't reported on him until literally now, right. is going to call that a conspiracy theory. Right. Like, we could have ended this by literally, like, one news story on CNN six months ago and some sort of sham debate that maybe Biden didn't even show up to. Right. Like, I think if there was just literally any, like, fake. An Just undercard like debate. Bones thrown to any of these undercard goons. Yeah. Like, he probably, because he has been asked about this from the beginning, because there were a lot of people on the left who were like, you're not going to get a fair hearing here. Like, why bother running in the Democratic primary? Yeah. 
And his response has always been some version of, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm a Democrat. Like, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Democrat. My family's Democrats. I'm an environmental lawyer. Like, yes, obviously he has crazy views on some things. I'm not here to dispute any any of that. But like... I just feel like the reason that he ran in the Democratic primary is because he considers himself a Democrat. So, like, I feel like if the Democratic Party could have pretended like they'd ever met him, (laughs) then, like, he probably wouldn't have taken this tack. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was always his plan and I'm delusional. But, like, it just seems... I cannot predict or tell you anything about what his plan may or may not have been because (laughs) it's so crazy. (laughs) Yes. But I agree with you that I think this ongoing perception that has been created not through just loons running right. in random incumbent races. It's not a conspiracy theory that the party is, has no, pushed, pushed back against, uh, you know, outside fringe candidates. That's, that's, that's a thing we've that all is, watched happen with our based. eyes. That's not a, that's not a conspiracy theory. the last theory. two cycles at least. Correct. So that is not a conspiracy theory. Now, does he deserve the same fair hearing as people who have like views that are in the realm of reality? Probably not. But the thing is, you have to sometimes, you have to create an opportunity for voters who are supporting him in massive numbers for reasons that are absolutely insane, but are in part based on the vacuum around his information around him. Yeah. Like you have to give them a chance to find out he's crazy. <laughs> right. Well, we we That's, said that on the podcast one time yes. er, early after he had announced. I had heard an interview with him, and I remember very clearly saying on this His podcast, "His voice is nuts." Right. I was like, if I were Biden, I would be begging and pleading yes. all every single cable news channel to just run interviews with RFK for twenty four hours a yeah. day. Because I'll tell you what would happen: everyone would flatly decide that he's too crazy to be the president. He is. <laughs> he makes that case very quickly. If you listen to one minute of him speaking, you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, that's, it's, it's easy for these people to disqualify themselves if you give them the air to do it. Yeah. But this mystique around him where he just right. is like an anti-vax hero to a bunch of fringe people yeah. who are like mad because they're scared because a pandemic is going on no one's talking about it and like don't know what information is anymore. Like, that creates the conditions where it's, it's what Bloomberg was trying to coast on was a yeah. kind of mystique. It's what Trump early on sort of coasted on was this sort of like weird mystique around the vacuum around their actual opinions about things. Yeah. Like fringe people tell on themselves. <laughs> right, that's right. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason Marianne Williamson is not the president. I know that you love her, but <laughs> like there, she appeared at debates and she yeah. said some things that people got applause liked. and people liked and I absolutely agreed with. Yeah. And also it in in presenting her thoughts to the viewing public. She said some woo-woo things. She said that... some woo-woo ridiculous things that made people think, you know what? Maybe not. Right. Like, that's, these people tell on themselves they so easily. Right, exactly. You don't no, need to worry that he is yeah, You don't, don't, come don't across suppress, him. if you're worried about him, don't suppress him. Well, and I think about, the, like, the, the smartest thing that Republicans are doing right now is giving Vivek Ramaswamy time to talk. Because... The moment, the more he opens his mouth, the more everyone hates him. Yeah, in the wise words of Nikki Haley, the more you talk, the dumber I get. Exactly. <laughs> like, it is so obvious that he is going to disqualify himself. Yeah. And so we don't even have to worry about him. Right. Like, the people you have to worry about are the people that no one is going to find out about in time. Yeah. If I thought the Democrats were smart enough to play this long game, I would be giving them kudos, but I don't think this is the case. Oh, yeah. But there's a chance... Like, do we think maybe they actually wanted him to run? I'm sure they have internal polls on this as an independent. Oh. I'm talking about RFK as an independent. Yeah. Because... Well, he's going to pull votes from Trump. He's going to pull votes from Trump. I think a he's lot of... He's an anti-vaxxer, first and foremost. Right, exactly. But, like, so much so that, like, the Trump world is apparently, like, 
kind of anxious about they're this. anxious about it yeah. yeah like they're looking at their own internals there was some reporting this week like that like insiders are like preparing like a to drop some bombs on him because yeah. they're concerned that he is pulling um, more from Trump than from Biden. Are they not worried that dropping bombs on him will only galvanize support for him further? I don't know. Like, I, what are, are they just going to remind everyone he's a Democrat? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess the yeah. thing is, like, he's not going to stop being the leading anti-vax candidate in the field. No, and it's true. frankly... They have primed their own voters to vote on single issues. They have. So that's not on me if his no, voters not. can't remember the rest no. of the conversation after the. If your main party. thing is being an anti-vaxer, and the two candidates are like, Donald Trump and RFK, I mean, and you know Joe Biden, right. but like, you're Donald Trump invented the vaccine, as he will tell you exactly <laughs> himself. Right. Cooked it up in his laboratory. That's right. So like, they're not going to vote for him. No. Like, if you're an anti-vax. <laughs> voter Canada, right now and the right? anti-vax voters are i know that it is a movement that started on the far left but they are centered on the far right right now yeah. it has made that jump around the curve yeah so it's a far right movement at the moment yeah and if so if you're part of the anti-vax movement a you're far enough right that trump is your preferred candidate and then yeah. you have a guy who finally understands the dangers that vaccines have imposed on us <laughs> mm-hmm. fine by the way did you become a zombie after the Federal, oh, the 5G, uh, or the, the 5G uh, from the, 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 from yeah, the, um, uh-huh. the emergency, the national emergency no, I system test. Uh-huh. I didn't either. I was kind of disappointed. I know. Yeah. I wanted something exciting it was to happen. Supposed to happen. Yeah, um, and I had just been uh. vaccinated, so it's like I should have been right there in the middle of all of it. Yeah, I had been vaccinated and I had COVID when all of that happened. Right? So it's like I don't even yeah I'm sad about it. But we also had movement elsewhere because now Cornell West is on his third try as to what he's going to run as because he this started with movement for a people's party and then he chaos. left and went to the green party and now he is going to run as an independent here's as well. what I think this says you can just forget about Cornell West I mean I think so. I yeah. feel bad about that but I don't feel that bad about it because I yeah. feel like if you're on your third party try you've you're out. <laughs> I think so too. And I can understand, you know, they released a statement and it said, as Dr. West's campaign for president grows, he believes the best way to challenge the entrenched system is by focusing 100% on the people, not the intricacies of internal party dynamics. He found out that the Greens are crazy. That's exactly right. And that's really unfortunate because I think, I don't know that I talked about it on this podcast, but I certainly talked about it with you. I was ready to change my party yeah. affiliation to Green. And not because I have such a huge you know, devotion to the Green Party, although I have voted for Green Party candidates before. But I felt like, especially with him on the ticket, not that I thought he was going to win or anything, but like it felt like the best opportunity. Like, say what you will about the Green Party. They are furthest along as a left party, right? Right. In terms of ballot access, in terms of whatever other outreach they're doing, in terms of fundraising. Like, they're it. So there's, you know, there's movement for People's Party. There's the, I there's think now we families, have like, but it's there's, not in every right, state. there's uh, the Peace and Social or whatever it is. There's the, that PSL candidate, just, yeah. I think just announced recently. I can't remember who it is. So like, but they're like the main game in town as yeah. like a, a, a left party that you know is going to be on your ballot. So yeah. I was like, well, maybe we can foster that and they can start caring about other things and being sort of like more forceful in their, you know, wanting Medicare for all and whatever else and right. standing for and working way, people. The, and, and they the, all do that already. But and they, the far left really owes a lot to the rhetoric of the Green Party because that's where all of our issues start. Sure. You know, yeah. like I, you can be mad at the Green Party. I know a lot of Democrats are mad at the Green uh, Party. Yeah. Um, but the Green Party is who 
helps us create the language and movement around things. Like Green New Deal is shockingly <laughs> their <laughs> right, idea. Right, yeah. um, but also issues like Medicare for All, like they are the party that fosters yeah. those movements so that when they can move into the far left of the Democratic Party, they have language. They have, I was going to say plot points. That's not, I meant policy <laughs> points. They have policy points. They have advocates connected. Like yeah. they're the people who kind of incubate all of the far left's ideas. Yeah. So like, sorry if you're mad about it, but that's life. Yeah, I know. So I just don't know. And the far know. rights, because they're also incubating anti-vax movement. So I don't know what yeah. to say about that either. But it, it, it does not surprise me that that Cornel West and, and his campaign were maybe not the best fit yeah. there with the, the Greens. They're it's unfortunate. But I'm sure that they're super difficult. Yeah. But that means that he's still running. Who knows how that's going to look or go now that he's right. an independent. But that also means that like the Greens are probably like they will feel the candidate. I mean, who knows? No, but is it going to be Howie Hawkins again? Be Howie Hawkins again. <laughs> All right. I don't who knows. Um, so I don't know. There's just like there's going to be a lot of candidates like we've talked a ton about no labels. Yeah. You know, they're only going to field the candidate if it's Trump versus Biden, which doesn't make any sense. We've talked about that. In this they're podcast, for but sure going to field the candidate. They're going to field the candidate. Biden versus Cornell West right. versus they're getting on working on getting ballot access. RFK. Like obviously the Libertarian Party is going to field the candidate. Like we're going to be wild out in this election. with candidates. This is a wild. This is all avoidable by us having a primary internally, by the way. All a of lot it. of it is. Like, yeah. this is just like 100% avoidable. Yeah, so agreed. Glad that we oh, put ourselves onto the precipice of insanity. But you know yeah. what? I've been sick of the system. And this I know. might break it. So Well, that is what I think everybody's, I mean. No one's happy with the way things are going right no, now. No, exactly. Like, no but, one. Yeah, that's why we're at this situation yeah. that we're at. It's, yeah, it's not sure. been working for most voters. No. Um, there's also rumors that Chank Uger's Planning to run, which is like stop. He's, he's just got to be this. like, just. He's blowing. Remember when he got like sixth place, like in a congressional primary here? Remember he ran yes. for Congress here. I was like, what are you doing? Like, and also, like in the Democratic primary, he like was talking about like how mad he is at like how Biden has been, and it's like you're not, what like stop. What there's there's not a Democratic primary. Right. It's like <laughs> calm down. We're not having one of those. No, as we've just discussed. It's so I don't. I don't know. He's, he's slowly. He's, a, he's an idiot. Unraveling. I think um, he is too. We, yeah, uh, one of the other things that we missed in our weeks of uh, COVID time off is the GOP debate, which I watched <laughs> yeah. fully with COVID. Oh, yeah, right. Um, this debate was a debate that went so poorly that all of them lost ground against Trump in the polls afterwards. Amazing. <laughs> like an amazing showing of everyone doing worse than everyone so could have just not. It's, it's like one of it's like everyone could have not. I know. Like, and it and was just, they all did. Right. And it was just another, if so messy. It was right? so messy. I mean, My it just like. My favorite thing about it was that every time that Ron DeSantis tried to open his mouth, everyone started talking at once. <laughs> the rest of them were able to get words in edgewise, not Ron DeSantis. He would open his mouth and then literally everyone on the stage would start talking. Yeah. And I was like, did they plan this? Like, how do they know? I just don't understand. I don't think they planned anything. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, it was all silliness. Right. I know I just said that we should be having an active Democratic primary. And I believe that. <laughs> and I still stand by that. <laughs> but we're having an active Republican primary, and I don't know why. It's the, silly, <laughs> the silliest Republican primary I have ever witnessed. Because these people are in a Republican primary, but just they're not running against each other. Well, they're, they're, all, they're only running I mean, against each other. I mean, they're only running against, but like the real primary is between them and Donald Trump, who's not participating at all in their primary. Right, and is ahead by... 60 points <laughs> so in many polls, anywhere between 45 and 60. You're not going to find a poll, a national it's, poll anyway, where he's ahead by less than what 45 are they points. What do you do about this? 
I don't know. This is so weird. I mean, there's some <laughs> state polls that are closer, air quotes closer. Air quotes closer, though. They were still talking about 30 point we're gaps. We're still talking about 30 points, right? Including like 30 point gaps in South Carolina. Right. Where Nikki Haley is the former governor and Tim Scott is the current senator. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, one thing that I think is interesting about watching the debates is that I keep forgetting that certain people are on the stage. Like, every time, like, I, I remember Vivek because he's so fucking annoying. Right. I remember Ron DeSantis because I'm getting a lot of content right now focused on his heel lifts, and so I've been paying really extra close attention. <laughs> I remember Doug, Bur- Doug Burgum because he's got very bushy eyebrows. Yeah. But literally every time they pan to Tim Scott, I'm like, oh, fuck, I remember Scott, him? Yeah. I know. Yeah. And it's like Nikki Haley had moments where I forgot she was going to be there and she was the star of this debate. She really was. She's the only person who said anything memorable right. that we all agreed with. And yet they would sometimes go to her and I would be like, oh, yeah. remember Nikki Haley? Like, I have not once successfully been able to name every person in this primary. And uh, yeah. Brent and I pride ourselves on keeping close tabs on these primaries. Yep. I could have named everyone in the Democratic primary last cycle, right. which and had 34 was, people uh, in it. Uh, yeah. So like I was gonna say seventy nine, but thirty four maybe. <laughs> I think literally thirty four, but seventy nine okay. in spirit. <laughs> yeah. um, it was something like that. Thirty four might have been how many people ran for Senate in California. It was too many people, and yeah. we we could have named all of them. Yeah, we were naming people that were barely running. Oh yeah, but well, I, we had the issue. I think we talked about it once where we saw like all oh, of them listed tell. by their last names, and we saw Scott, and we were like, "Is that Rick Scott?" Is yeah, no, we couldn't remember which Scott it was. <laughs> no, this Republican primary has been so fascinating because there aren't that many people running, and I can't remember who any of them are. Yeah, I know. And that's not great. No, but these very much have the vibe of one of the undercard debates. I, they're the right? most undercard that anyone's ever been in their yeah. lives. Yeah, and I also just sort of like, you know, we've talked about, you know, who the breakout is and this and that and like Nikki Haley is polling better against Joe Biden and like people were hopped up on that information like, very briefly or whatever but like I think all this primary is proving is that and I feel like most people would have been able to tell you this prior to all of them <laughs> wasting untold millions of supporters money or their own in some right. instances is that like the that the Trump cult which is what it is. Yeah. Even Hillary Clinton it's, said they were going to have to be deprogrammed recently. Yeah. It's, it's in, they're not going to be convinced to vote for Nikki Haley. No. They're not looking for this. No. Is another thing. Like, I feel like in a normal year, voters might be looking for information about the people running, thinking, hmm, who will I support in this yeah. race? Trump voters are not looking for information about Nikki Haley. They don't care about Nikki Haley. <laughs> no. They don't care about Doug Burgum. They certainly don't care about Tim Scott and Vivek Ramaswamy and no. who, Ron DeSantis. Nobody cares about Ron DeSantis. No. Like, these are not people that anyone is looking for information about. And if anyone could create an atmosphere in which Trump voters thought to themselves, who else is running, then maybe these debates would be worthwhile. But without that atmosphere, it's like they're all doing a debate for 25% of the party. Yeah. And who cares what those oh, yeah. people Most want? of the national polls have everyone except Trump in single digits. Yeah. No, Maybe mean, you'll see DeSantis at like 10 or 11 percent in some right. national polls, but that's and it. That's obviously going to keep decreasing because <laughs> right. he's so embarrassing. I know. I know. And that, like the the irony of the man who tried to ban drag in Florida wearing heel lifts that are like four inches high. <laughs> I know. Like where's oh, the line? And getting and that that clip of him like standing behind yes. Nikki Haley while he's getting like a full beat of makeup put on himself, yeah. like during one of the breaks in the debate. I, it's so good. So good. All the powder. That man had all the all powder All, every <laughs> kernel of powder that was in the state of California at that time. Like, and every time that you see a picture of how he's standing, 
Yeah. He's standing I'm, in a very effeminate stance because he's standing in high heels. Yeah, I'm I'm really appreciating all of the the diagrams of yes. what's happening inside of the there shoes. There are a lot of great diagrams because you <laughs> might you might notice, and I hadn't noticed, and so I'm happy someone pointed it out that his toes um have been pointing upwards on his cowboy boots that he's been wearing. Mm. And I oh, right. once it's I it's because his toes aren't in the right, toe it's part. There's not feet in <laughs> not that feet part in that of the part. shoe. <laughs> and so he's walking around on the most absurd heel lifts that anyone has ever encountered and yeah. like i have so seen so his feet are hitting essentially like where the t- the foot the shoe would like bend point, essentially basically. right he's, he's on point. right yeah and like he is having to walk around in shapewear and 4-inch heels <laughs> and he is wondering to himself whether he should be banning drag in florida <laughs> at what point does it become illegal for him to be in florida uh, <laughs> it is just uh. it's too funny it's too funny, and I can't stop caring about it, and TikTok knows that mm-hmm. I care, because TikTok is feeding me nothing but, like, draw, like marked up diagrams of <laughs> right. where his feet of his are. Boots. Of his boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's a bad scene, you guys. <laughs> it's a bad scene. <laughs> it's a scene. bad scene. And then people are like, oh, uh... All the donors are trying to get a what's his nuts to jump oh, in. Oh, from Virginia. Virginia. Get out of here. They think that they'll retake all the what's Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin. I was like, what the fuck's that guy's name? <laughs> like, this is what they I they don't get it, and I don't understand. A man and, like, who is physically indistinguishable from right. everyone and else like, as well. And let's say, and politically. everyone who's not supporting Donald Trump decides that they are going to leave every other candidate and say, great. I'm all right. in then for Glenn Youngkin. Then he'll have 30% of the primary vote. That's correct. <laughs> well, then, then he himself will be losing by less, I guess. I, but still, it will be 60 to 35%. Yeah. I mean... So, like, what, what are they doing? What are they all doing? I don't... What? How... And I by guess the way, it's, this it's is... It's a fun time to, like, play, like, political intrigue games, I guess. Also, right? I it's think... It's like, what that... else are they supposed to do? Like, just cancel it? I mean... Right. Also, there is a world in which Donald Trump's fortunes take a nosedive as these cases heat up. And so maybe they, unlike the Republicans in Congress, are thinking about a plan B. (laughs) Because the thing about the Trump popularity is that it's, this is kind of like a weird moment for it because though he is this popular with Republicans, there is a world in which he becomes unelectable overnight. Yes. And all it takes is one thing, one moment in a trial that suddenly makes him unelectable that that makes him too dangerous to touch with a temple yeah. and that moment is going to come for sure i still believe very firmly that we are not done with the donald trump story so <laughs> yeah I, you're right about that i, I think suppose. that to some extent they're just biding their time it's just like could they do it in a less embarrassing way because the that's, problem that's is, is that once donald trump is taken down if he is taken down by any of these indictments like they're all going to have looked like such fools for so long. Yeah. It's going to have to be someone else anyway. I, I think you're right. Yeah, because everybody so like is no just going to be like... no one else should step in. Right. These people are just wasting our time. Because I think even the people who say that they're supporting Ron DeSantis probably like know in their hearts they're not going to get a chance to vote for Ron DeSantis. No. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? I, just, none of these people... These people are like keeping seats warm. Yeah. And like, listen, I'm proud of That's them job. for doing the theater when we needed the theater done. You know, someone needed to do the theater and they stepped in. 
<laughs> and in the process, they're getting to run big, you know, fraudulent operations right. and we'll funneling money point. to their families and all the things that they right. sell shell a lot of books, companies. shell companies. It's, it's all the stuff that they love to do anyway. So maybe this is working out great. Like Tim Scott's not going to be the president, but he is going to have funneled a lot of money to shell companies. Yep. And that was what he wanted to do in the first place. <laughs> so like, in, in a sense, we're all winning here. But I just like, someone else is going to have to take up Trump's mantle if this goes... Yeah. as badly as it could go this for spring. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, <clears throat> and it might still be a battle because there might still be some diehards. Like, it might be a tough race when that person finally emerges. But I think there is a world in which Trump is not untouchable. Yeah. We're just not yet in that world. Yeah. And this is like an embarrassing uh, distraction <laughs> while we figure out how to get to that world. Yeah. Well... Never forget we'll see what happens. that the Donald Trump indictment story is still in its early I was going to say, we'll do an update on that at some point. Yeah. We had to leave that alone for this week. I know. We Did you see those sitcom intro videos of their <laughs> yes, so good. my favorite meme of the week? Yeah, that was good. That, <laughs> the judge, the like, judge, right in the camera, giving me, like, a smile <laughs> and the shrug. Yes. It's so good. I have often, like, I do feel like we're continuing to prove the point that what is needed to get Trump into jail is for New York to step up first. Oh, New York, yes. Uh Because everyone is just not as afraid of him there because he's a joke in New York. And so (laughs) we need to show that he's fallible and then everyone else can be like, is he fallible? And then we can talk about it. (laughs) Right. But it's like right now we're at a confusing point where like, you know, that's it's New York had indictments so everyone else was able to do it. New York is now starting a case. Yeah. They're making funny memes about the case. That's the beginning (laughs) of the end for someone (laughs) like Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, in any case, that's the news this week. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. We're finally back and back at it in action. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.